Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Nice to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, it is another beautiful day here. It rained, uh, believe it or not, in December. It doesn't rain that much in December here. It's very rare. I've had friends tell me they've been here every December, and it's never rained before when they've been here. So let's see what the temperature's up. We're hovering at 72 degrees Right now, it just jumped up to 73 while I was looking at it. Humidity, 73%. That's awfully low for just having rain. The rain stops. So, well, so be it. We're in Ezekiel, 47 and 48 today. If you will find your place, we will pray and we will get right into the Word. So, Father, thank you for this morning and blessing us and guiding us in all truth. So we thank you that you can... Use the words that we heard in church. Use the words that we hear now the, every day that when we encourage each other and look into your word to guide us, transform us, help us, God, to be more like you. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. Seek so 47. This is very intriguing about the river of life that we're going to be reading here. Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, Water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from the south of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate by the way of the gate that faces east. And behold, water was trickling from the south side. When the man went out towards the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he led me through the water, which reached the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the loins. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not ford, for the water had risen enough water to swim in, the river that could not be forded. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river, there were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then he said to me, These waters go out towards the eastern region, and go down to the Arabah. Then they go toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of the sea become fresh. It will come about that every living creature that swarms in every place where the river goes will live, and there will be very many fish. For these waters go there, and others become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. It will come about that fishermen will stand beside it from Engedi to Enagalim. There will be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be according to their kind like the fish of the great sea, very many. But its swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. It will be left for salt. But the river on its banks on one side and on the other will grow all kinds of trees for food, 
their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary, and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. 13. Thus says the Lord God, This shall be the boundary by which you shall divide the land for an inheritance among the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions. You shall divide it for an inheritance, each one equally with one another, for I swore to give it to your forefathers, and this land shall fall to you as an inheritance. This shall be the boundary of the land on the north side, from the great sea by the way of the Hethlan to the entrance of Zedad, Hamath, Berathah, Sibaim, which is between the border of Damascus and the border of Hamath, Hazar, Hatikon, which is by the border of Haran. The boundary shall extend from the Sea of Hazar Enen at the border of Damascus. On the north, towards the north, is the border of Hamath. This is the north side. Verse 18. The east side from between Haran, Damascus, Gilead, and the land of Israel shall be the Jordan. From the north border to the eastern sea, you shall measure this is the east side. The south side, towards the south, shall extend from Tamar as far as the waters of Mirabath, Kadesh, to the brook of Egypt, to the great sea. This is the south side towards the south. The west side shall be the great sea from the south border to a point opposite Libo Hamath. This is the west side. You shall divide this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. Verse 22, you shall divide, you shall divide it by lot for an inheritance among yourselves and among the aliens who stay in your midst, who bring forth sons in your midst. They shall be to you as native born among the sons of Israel. They shall be allotted an inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel. And in the tribe with which the alien stays, there you shall give him an inheritance, declares the Lord God. Chapter 48. Now these are the names of the tribes from the northern extremity beside the way of Hethlan and Libohamath as far as Hazar Enen at the border of Damascus towards the north side beside Hamath, running from east to west, Dan, one portion. Beside the border of Dan, from the east to the west side, Asher, one portion. Beside the border of Asher, from the east side to the west side, Naphtali, one portion. Beside the border of Naphtali, from the east side to the west side, Manasseh, one portion. Verse 5, from the border of Manasseh, from the east side to the west side, Ephraim, one portion. Beside the border of Ephraim, from the east side to the west side, Reuben, one portion. Beside the border of Reuben, from the east side to the west side, Judah, one portion. Beside the border of Judah, from the east side to the west side, shall be the allotment which you shall set apart. 250,000 cubits in width and in length, like one of the portions from the east side to the west side. And the sanctuary shall be in the middle of it. The allotment that you shall set apart to the Lord shall be 250,000 cubits in length and 100,000 in width. 10. The holy allotment shall be for these, namely for the priests towards the north, 250,000 cubits in length, towards the west, 10,000 in width, towards the east, 10,000 in width, and towards the south, 250,000 in length. 
And the sanctuary of the Lord shall be in its midst. It shall be for the priests who are sanctified, for the sons of Zadok, who have kept my charge, who did not go astray when the sons of Israel went astray, as the Levites went astray. It shall be an allotment to them from the allotment of the land, a most holy place by the border of the Levites. Verse 13, alongside the border of the priests and the Levites shall have 250,000 cubits in length, 10,000 in width. The whole length shall be 250,000 cubits and the width 10,000. Moreover, they shall not sell or exchange any of it or alienate this choice portion of land for it is holy to the Lord. The remainder 5,000 cubits in width and 25,000 in length shall be for common use for the city, for dwellings and for open spaces. And the city shall be in its midst. These shall be its measurements. The north side, 4,500 cubits. The south side, 4,500 cubits. The east side, 4,500 cubits. And the west side, 4,500 cubits. The city shall have open spaces. On the north, 250,000 cubits. And on the south, 250,000 cubits. And on the east, 250,000 cubits. And on the west, 250,000 cubits. The remainder of the length alongside the holy allotment shall be 10,000 cubits towards the east and 10,000 towards the west. It shall be alongside the holy allotment, and its produce shall be food for the workers of the city. And the workers of the city, out of all the tribes of Israel, shall cultivate it. Verse 20, the whole allotment shall be 25,000 by 25,000 cubits. You shall set it apart, the holy allotment, a square with the property of the city. Verse 21, the remainder shall be for the prince on the one side and on the other for the holy allotment and of the property of the city in front of the 250,000 cubits of the allotment towards the east border and westward in front of the 250,000 towards the west border alongside the portions it shall be for the prince and the holy allotment for the sanctuary of the house shall be in the middle of it. Exclusive of the property of the Levites and the property of the city, which are in the middle of that which belongs to the prince, everything between the border of Judah and the border of Benjamin shall be for the prince. Verse 23. As for the rest of the tribes from the east side to the west side, Benjamin, one portion beside the border of Benjamin from the east side to the west side, Simeon, one portion beside the border of Simeon from the east side to the west side, Issachar, one portion beside the border of Issachar from the east side to the west side, Zebulun, one portion beside the border of Zebulun from the east side to the west side, Gad, one portion beside the border of Gad at the south side toward the south, the border shall be from Tamar to the waters Mirbas, Kadesh, to the brook of Egypt, to the great sea. This is the land which you shall divide by lot to the tribes of Israel for an inheritance, and these are their several portions, declares the Lord God. Verse 30, these are the exits of the city on the north side, 4,500 cubits by measurement, shall be the gates of the city, named for the tribes of Israel, three gates towards the north, the gate of Reuben, one, the gate of Judah, one, the gate of Levi, one. On the east side, 4,500 cubits shall be three gates. The gate of Joseph, one. The gate of Benjamin, one. The gate of Dan, one. 
on the south side, 4,500 cubits by measurement, shall be three gates, the gate of Simeon, one, the gate of Issachar, one, the gate of Zebulun, one. Verse 34, on the west side, 4,500 cubits shall be three gates, the gate of Gad, one, the gate of Asher, one, the gate of Naphtali, one. 35, the city shall be 18,000 cubits round about, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Boy, that's an interesting way to end the book of Ezekiel. Last words of Ezekiel, the Lord is there. It's a good way, actually. What are we looking at? Most people feel we're looking at the millennium. We're looking at the temple restored um, during the millennium. And remember, if you take the book of Revelation literally, which I do, and you realize what the earth has just gone through, through the tribulation, all the waters of the earth have turned to blood. I know that's bizarre. Think about it. these comets, meteors have fallen out of the sky, and they've done enormous amount of damage. The earth has pretty much been leveled. The cities have been leveled. Jerusalem has been destroyed by this time. And, of course, Ezekiel's writing to the people in uh, Israel, in there in captivity, predominantly, and saying, guess what? Our city's been destroyed. Our temple's been destroyed. It's all been burned. The same thing's going to happen in the tribulation, interestingly enough. It says, but God still has a future and a hope for, uh, for us. He's going to rebuild. The temple's going to be rebuilt. Now, I mentioned yesterday, day before, prophecy almost always has a near completion and a far completion. We see this everywhere in the Bible. So it's, it is hinting there, there's going to be a near completion. God is going to reenact re- be, again the, the sacrifices in the temple. Zerubbabel, Ezra are going to build the temple. There was going to be a priesthood. It was going to be very specific. The laws are going to be enforced again. There's going to be holiness and all this stuff. But there's going to be an ultimate temple on the earth before the new heaven and the new earth. They're in the millennium. There will be a time for all those billions of people that will be born in their mortal flesh to have an understanding of the holiness of God, to be an act, acted out to understand the blood that was shed by the Lamb of God, is my opinion, uh, because there's no more need for animal sacrifices. There's there's no need for a holy of holies for God's holiness to dwell in because the Prince of Peace is there and he is the holy of holies. So there's a lot of things to consider. That's why some people think this is all allegorical. That's fine. But I, I see it as literal. And I think what's happening is these waters that they, they God is going to now send out are going to flow out into the Dead Sea and then out into the rest of the ocean. And it's going to purify everything. Remember, there's going to be a level, there's going to be an opening um, from the Dead Sea. It's going to be flow out into the sea. There's going to be, or who knows how it's going to all going to work. But the healing waters coming from the throne of God, God is going to put in that water the right compounds, whatever it is, that is going to heal the water and bring back life. Because up to this point, it's everything's dead. Everything including it's going to transform the salt, um, transform the Dead Sea. And uh, yet he's going to allow the marshy lands and the salt around it to remain, which is fascinating when you study it, find out that that's the perfect way to filter water, by the way. That's what those marshes do. So it's interesting that they th- Ezekiel throws that in there. So all of this is for the benefit of those that would be in the millennium coming to a realization that life has now come out of death. Uh, God is now establishing his kingdom, and it's a kingdom of life, and he's transforming and turning everything around, and it's going to be glorious. 
So uh, he reestablishes the boundaries for the tribes of Israel. It would seem, from what we see here, that in the millennium, the Israel is going to be allotted, the tribes of Israel, the territory of Israel. That is to fulfill the ultimate covenant and promise God made with Israel, that they, were, they would be given the land, all the land. They've never occupied everything that was given to Abraham. In the millennium, they will. And we who are foreigners, mortal bodies, whatever, living with them, will also be allotted land, property. We who are live now, living now and are believers will be there in our glorified bodies, so not much of a need for property, per se. We'll be heavenly beings somehow able to transcend the bounds of the earth. And it's great to think about. Okay, moving on to First John 3. Children of God love one another. Verse 1, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are for this reason. The world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We will know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness and the sin of lawlessness. And know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. For no one who abides in him sins, no one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was the evil one who slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children. Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things which are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. 
the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. We know this, that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. There's a lot there and controversial stuff people have pondered and argued over. I remember when I was first saved. I mean, we're talking just weeks in the Lord on the university campus. I was listening to an evangelist standing on a, on a, a brick, I guess, planter around a tree and evangelizing. Unfortunately, he was the hellfire and brimstone type of evangelist. He um, was good at pointing out people's sin and not that great on communicating, expressing the love of the Father, which we see here very clearly in this chapter. And when he was done, I asked him, I, I said, I heard you say something that really um, confused me. I'm not, I don't know if I understand it. And he said, what? I said, you said that you don't sin. He was, I don't. Bible says that we, in Christ, if we're real believers, we don't sin. I said, really? Never heard that. He says, yeah. You know, we're the call, the anointed, this and that. And he went on and on with some goofy theology that he had, that because he was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that he no longer sinned. Because he claimed this Bible verse here. And I just said, okay, and I packed that away and walked away. And I go, somehow that doesn't sound right. As a new believer, And of course, we have First John 1, 9 written to Christians by John, who John himself said in the first chapter, <laughs> uh, basically, um, if we sin, basically when we sin, we have an advocate, we, we can confess it and ask God to forgive us. So on this one hand, John says, you know you're going to sin, so there's a way out. You can ask and get forgiveness. And then here in chapter 3, he says, uh, he, who, he who is, I have to go back and read it, uh, is perfect or he who is in Christ does not sin. And of course, when you look at this sentence structure in the Greek, you really understand that what it's saying is, in the context, he will not go. He will not go on sinning. It's just worded strange in English, and that is the truth. You will those of us who came out of the drug culture, the immorality, sleeping around, and, and stealing, and whatever it is, we stop practicing that as a habitual habit, as something we do just without thinking on a daily basis. And we even approved of it. Now we do everything to avoid it and we do what we can. We practice righteousness, doing things that are right and just. And one of those things is following his command to love people. And there are many of us who were maybe not that loving or caring before we got saved. And maybe we're not naturally inclined to that. But we know God has told me to love this person. And on, I think we can get that a little mixed up too because sometimes we we confuse it and say that means I have to have an emotional love for some person. Oh, just love you. Where I think to a great degree it just wishes them, has a, a positive attitude and, and, and a, an expression of goodwill towards them uh, and loving them. I can't love everybody I see on the street emotionally. I don't know them. I can't have a heart attachment. But I can have goodwill to them. I can express the love of God to them. In other words, not be hostile, not be mean, not be any like resistant and get out of my face and, and hard. But I can be loving. I can try and express that love of Christ without necessarily having to be able to well up this emotional feeling of love uh, because they're complete strangers. I've not had the ability to even know them yet. So this is kind of the idea and my understanding of our obedience, of expressing the love of Christ to people around us. 
And of course, not holding hostility towards people because of their nationality or their skin color or anything else like that. Even against our <laughs> trans friends uh, that look kind of interesting, um, we're to express love to them. And, and, and really, most of us, I would say, have a great deal of sympathy for them. We feel sorry for them because they've been so deceived. When you know you were deceived in whatever you were in before you got saved and you see somebody else deceived, then your heart goes out to them and go, man, I wish I could just express how much God loves them and how they could find that security and that the feeling of purpose to cover up in that emptiness that they must be suffering. So there you go with this whole thing of, of uh, do we sin, do we not sin? Um, of course we sin. We're just not to go on practicing it. Uh, there's much more we could go into, but we'll jump over into Charles Spurgeon now. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His trust shall be thy shield and buckler. Psalm 91.4 A condescending smile indeed, just as a hand protects her brood and allows them to nestle under her wings, so will the Lord defend his people and permit them to hide away in him. Have we not seen the little chicks peeping out from under the mother's feathers? Have we not heard their little cry of contented joy? In this way, let us shelter ourselves in our God and feel overflowing peace in knowing that he is guarding us. While the Lord covers us, we trust. It would be strange if we did not. How can we distrust when Jehovah himself becomes house and home, refuge and rest to us? This done, we go out to war in his name and enjoy the same guardian care. We need shield and buckler. And when we implicitly trust God, even as the chick trusts the hen, we find his truth arming us from head to foot. The Lord cannot lie. He must be faithful to his people. His promise must stand. This sure truth is all the shield we need. Behind it, we defy the fiery darts of the enemy. Come, my soul, hide under those great wings. Loose thyself among those soft feathers. How happy thou art. We thank you, God, for the beauty of the knowledge that we have about you. Because growing up, so many of us were taught just the opposite. We were taught the lie that you were a demanding and cruel, uh, vengeful creator and father who demanded obedience and an appeasement. And so many of us grew up doing our best to learn how to appease you and to stay off your anger and, uh, and, and somehow approach you far away, knowing you're behind the altar and, and difficult to access. And we had to do it through our works. Now we find out, God, through the word that you have this mothering characteristic about wanting to um, protect us and nurture us. And not only that, you want to strengthen us and even arm us for the days that we live in. So we thank you that we see these images given to us in the Bible over and over again about your loving care and your protection. And we cling to that and we thank you for it because we need it in the days we live in. And that many people are under attack, both in their businesses and their health, different areas. Special prayer for Miss Muddy with all that she's going through. Pray that things start to work out for her business and her health and that we can see things, um, major things turn around in her life. And also 
for the business of um, Lalo and Raquel. And uh, Benjamin, who needs work, and Dean, who needs work. Working for these men who have giftedness and strong faith. My friend J.D., who is in the hospital, very, very sick. I pray that you would heal him miraculously, as we don't know the full uh, ramification of what he's got. I just pray that he'd be able to, doctors could find it, heal him, so he can get out of the hospital. And for the war, God, going on in Gaza, what can we say? We know that you have a purpose and a plan. We pray, God, that the world would not rally against Israel as they seek out the murderers of the people who destroyed over 1,400 of their own and brutally tortured them. So, Father, we, we understand their motivation to seek the justice for these people and find these people and free these people. God, we know that if the world fully pulls away from Israel all support, we will be looking at most likely the Ezekiel 38-39 war. So it's exciting and sad because, God, that we know the coming judgment is right around the corner, and we have many people we love that we want to see come to know you. It just means time is running out for them. It, it's, it's joyful for us. We all go, we're going home, but, God, the people that we love and care about, we, we do not want them to have to go through what is coming. So, God, wake up the world. We pray for more time. Pray that you would. this would not be the turning point that brings into this World War III. So just heal, heal what's going on, God. Stop the war. Thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. That will do it for today. I did put out the podcast yesterday, the Sunday edition. So uh, if you've not heard it, go back. And it's also a huge blessing when you subscribe, whether you're on Amazon Music or Spotify or um, Apple. Um, it used to be on Stitcher. I think they closed down. Uh, I'm trying to remember whether platform. I can't remember. But anyway, check them out. And love to see you guys uh, when you're here. Make sure you check out Calvary PB Radio as we got a lot of good teaching on there. Every two hours we have good teaching. So if you like listening to good teaching, check it out as long as good classic music. So Calvary PB Radio, you can get the app. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.